Welcome to the Hardware Asylum Podcast Extras. In this episode, we go beyond the beta and take our first in-depth look at Battlefield 1. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia. With me today, I have Darren McCain. Followers of the Hardware Asylum Podcast will know that last month, Darren sat me down in front of the Battlefield 1 beta and had me play it cold. And that, uh, that was a couple of firsts for the podcast. It was the first time we actually did a live gameplay, and we recorded it in video format. Oh, yeah, and you should go check that out, because we're going to talk a little bit more about Battlefield 1 today. But some of our first impressions really came true, and some did not, Dennis. Well, do tell, since you have been playing the game since it was launched, I believe, and I have yet to even consider buying it. So I am splitting my time still a little bit between Battlefield 4, which is one of my favorite games of all time, mm-hmm. and Battlefield 1. And one of the reasons for that is the gameplay style, and we talked about this a little bit in the beta, is very different. In particular, the pacing is different. And the reason for that is that the weapons themselves are based around World War One weapons. So you have Winchesters and semi-automatics and... Well, at least they're not muzzle loaders. Well, yeah, but some of them feel like they are. <laughs> yeah, it just takes a long time to reload. I mean, I was playing one of those um, placement cannons, mm-hmm. and it took a good, you know, three or four seconds to go and reload that shell. Yes. But that shell did a heck ton of damage. Well, you're very vulnerable when you are in some of the place guns, but they dish out a lot of damage, mm-hmm. especially when you're in some of the placed automatics like the Brownings and the SMGs and stuff. But I want to talk a little bit more about the game now that I've had a chance to experience the full game. And I haven't really experienced even all of the full game. Specifically, Battlefield 1 includes a, what I'm told, pretty solid single-player experience. Have you not played the single-player? I haven't yet, and that's kind of unusual because even when I got Battlefield 4, I warmed up to the game in the single-player experience. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, before we go on too much, uh, when the game first came out, we had lunch, and you were telling me about the intro. That wasn't part of the single player? Yes, it is. In fact, the single player, again, having not played it, is, well, now let's step that back. Because when you first load the game, it makes you play it before you even get to the menus or anything. So you're actually playing, and you play as a lot of the different styles of characters, and you'll play maybe, uh, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 seconds before you will die repeatedly. Yeah, it's like you can't get past it. You have to die and then you move on. And right? the whole point of it, I think, is to instill in you how dangerous the whole World War One battlefield was and to let you know how often you're going to die in the real game. So it's conditioning you a little bit that this is not a slow-paced, squad-based shooter, which I don't think any Battlefield fan really expected anyway. Mm-hmm. But it sets you straight right away. But it also introduces some of the weapons and vehicles so that you will get a good first impression before you actually get to playing. Cool. All right. So... Uh, on to the game. So let's do some bare bones. First of all, when you are playing Battlefield 1, you get to choose between the primary classes, and they're similar to the ones that we've had in the Battlefield franchise all along. They are the Assault, which is your also anti-vehicle class, kind of your generic, and they specialize in submachines and shotguns, and I hate them badly. They're just terrible? At close range, um, no other class can take them. 
the submachine guns and shotguns are just chainsaws. They they chew up anything that's at close range. But that uh, that's Which, a change because a lot of times the shotgun, you know, like in Borderlands Two, for instance, the shotgun was like one of the most powerful weapons, but mm-hmm. you had to be almost face to them to do it. And there is some truth to that too, although I think the shotguns need a little balance. But as you know, every time a Battlefield game comes out in every patch, there's something someone's going to say needs a balance. So yeah, it's all, get that out there. It's all OP. Second class is the Medic class, which focuses on semi-automatic rifles, which gives them some medium range, but slower firing weapons, which changes the pace a little bit. I'm used to the Medic being one of the frontline folks because you're dropping mid-packs and using machine guns and and the medic, to me, was one of the most versatile classes in Battlefield Four. Yeah, I see them as being more of a scout class, but that was one of the first ones I played in the beta. And you know, I, you know, if you go and watch the video, I was trying to snipe somebody from across the map and mm-hmm. with my little semi-auto rifle. Which yes, didn't work. huge learning curve there because the guns have realistic drop-off, which is one of the huge differences between modern. And the World War One setting in modern, pretty much, if you saw it, you could hit it. Mm-hmm. But that is definitely not the case in Battlefield One. But you mentioned Scout, and the Scout, of course, is the next class. Primarily uses bolt action and ranged guns. You also have flare guns and some stuff like that. But you don't have the ability to drop a spawn point like you do in Battlefield Four. So the Scout doesn't have that, I guess, back command ability. Mm-hmm. Also, I should point out that because of the era, you're range and your scope options are very limited and lastly you have support and support uses the light machine guns and the placed guns that you're dropping down and bipoding for example so he's like the engineer class yeah so they can repair vehicles it's funny that you mentioned that they can also drop ammo and in general my battlefield 4 experience this is the class that i end up playing either scout or support the most often Mm -hmm. And when I started playing Battlefield 1, I realized that there weren't a lot of support players, so I gravitated to it to fill the gap with my clan. And I can honestly tell you that I have been playing now the support trooper for 12 levels in the game, and it sucks. <laughs> it that, does. that bad, huh? So as an example, I've talked a lot about getting up close, and in most of the maps, the up-close combat is where most of the carnage happens. And the support character has a weapon that fires at a high rate of speed, but it does something really kind of unique in that it becomes more accurate as you hold the fire button down. So you start with a really broad spread, and the longer you sustain your fire, the tighter your cone gets, which is... So it's a Hyperion weapon. It's kind of, <laughs> yeah, counter to what you'd think, but it, yeah. it kind of makes sense, I guess. And, of course, you are more accurate if you're kneeling or prone. So the more stationary you are, the better you are. Well, that's the way it should be. But you're firing these high-volume weapons that, you know, in reality could penetrate some of these vehicles pretty soundly, and they can in the game. But my problem is that while I am gleefully emptying a clip of my high-powered machine gun into a player, he'll run up and stab me with a knife, and I will die. So it doesn't do a lot of damage. No, it's painful. In fact, very frustrating. And the reload is very slow, which makes up for the rate of fire. So your initial weapon spews a lot of ammo, and uh, it's great for suppressive fire, but you get very few kills because while you're suppressing them, they stop and snipe you. (laughs) Or while you're suppressing them, they turn around and uh, rush you. So it's a little bit frustrating, but a required element of your 
command just to be able to drop ammunition, and hopefully your players are surviving long enough that they need that. So yeah. you get most of your points through suppressive fire and reloading and re-ammoing your squad. <laughs> you can also spawn into some classes, so the tanker, which is the tank commander, the pilot, which is obviously the pilot. Yeah, that, and, was, that was one that wasn't in the beta. Yeah, and I'm not a very good pilot, but it's a little easier in this one because the, the planes move much slower. And then Calvary, which was the bane, I think, of our previous experience when we shot the video, and that's the horse that <laughs> comes over and basically rushes and kills anything it can get to. And they are very quick, great for covering ground, and they accelerate that whole rush up and kill you while you're trying to shoot them feeling to a very painful extreme. Mm. But also, lastly, and I don't know that we experienced this, you can also spawn as an elite class, or you can pick them up on the battlefield, rather. And these are things like flamethrower troopers and sentries and tank hunters that have specialized weapon loadouts. So you'll walk up to a ammunition box when these things spawn on the battlefield and pick up that special equipment. Mm. And the flamethrower is especially satisfying in some of these small maps, because <laughs> you spew flame everywhere, nice. and players will continue to dive until they literally drop to the ground and prone and sit there for a minute, sort of simulating a drop, drop and roll. Yeah. So uh, speaking uh, of the flamethrower, mm-hmm. and you know, being a hardware enthusiast that we are, did you notice any sort of a, f- a frame drop with the flame effects? I didn't. Now, of course, I have a fairly healthy machine when I'm playing this, mm-hmm. but I also have the detail turned up enough that the flamethrower sets scenery on fire. So there's residual fire on walls and ground and stuff for short periods of time after you do it, which is really freaking cool. The flamethrower not only blocks all vision, but it leaves a nice smoke cloud behind, which can be very beneficial when you're trying to get close to these snipers, for example. Oh, nice. Yeah, and the, the smoke effects in the beta that I played, mm-hmm. that was, you know, you're walking on a ledge and you can't see anything. You could walk off the ledge as mm-hmm. easy as you could walk into a wall. So Yeah, so kind of neat. You make yourself a big target. I like that one. And I'm getting used to the tanks. Now, in the beta, the tanks were very indestructible, but in the real game, it's balanced out a little bit better. And because of that, I'm finding that tanks like to be more tank snipers, which is a bit of a pet peeve of mine from Battlefield 4. Mm. But it makes sense because you'll engage in combat with these tanks, and their weapons are pretty inaccurate, but you have, of course, a ton of armor. So they'll come up and engage and then fall back and repair, come up and engage, fall back and repair. So it's not uncommon to see tanks sitting on sand dunes around the buildings trying to pick off the players and taking advantage of battlefields, destructible buildings and such. Okay. So in uh, in the beta, I believe the vehicles and the tanks, they spawned and then you could go to them. So that's how it balanced how many were Mm -hmm. on the battlefield. Yeah, you only had so many. Their spawn times were restricted by what type of vehicle they were. And the same was true of the cavalry and the airplanes. Mm -hmm. So frequently they're just not available for decent chunks of time. But one other thing that we didn't see much of in the beta was a lot of the maps have a, a Leviathan element, which is the losing team will get a super vehicle, a Zeppelin, or an armored train, or a destroyer on the sea maps. Oh, wow. That uh, if you're losing, that will be placed on the map. And these things are huge game changers because you can do an amazing amount of damage. It's like a super tank. Or, you know, and to defeat them, you really have to take a lot of effort from the opposite team to take them out. They just soak damage. (laughs) There was a, a video... They came out on the web, you know, I don't know if it was staged or not, but it was a, a plane in Battlefield 1 running into a Zeppelin oh, that yes. was on fire. And <laughs> an old Zeppelin fire tornado. Yeah, it just totally glitched out. It was really funny. So that is still in the game, and I, I wonder if maybe they've left it in their tongue-in-cheek. So 
there are still some fun glitches. And one of them was when you destroy the Zeppelin, which is a giant war blimp, actually. Mm-hmm. And it is huge. Uh, you can see it explode into a crazy spinning ball of flame, which is definitely something to see. And when it hits the ground, it's kind of like a napalm bomb. It just lays itself down and kills everything that it hits. Yeah. Well, it was filled with hydrogen. So so that's kind of neat. And the same is true with the armored trains and stuff. Now, I also want to talk a little bit about, uh, well, a couple things. There's some maps that I really like. And also there's a new style of gameplay. So let's start with the new style of gameplay. So you have several different ways you can play. And there's classic conquest, which is my favorite. That's basically area control. You got domination, which is uh, close quarters area control, and that's uh, great for team deathmatch. And it's definitely an area where you want to be playing those close combat classes. And then you've got rush, which is a, you know kind of an old school one. It's a love hate it, whereas you take territory. You uh, yeah, that was the beta yeah mode, and that and that's kind of cool. And then there are two new ones. One I'll just briefly touch on, which is war pigeons. You actually have the ability to uh, become a pigeon and try to carry a message. And uh, it doesn't get a lot of play out there. (laughs) I wonder why. (laughs) Because it's really unique. But I can tell you that it's it's fun because it's so different. But, yeah, I don't want to go into much more detail on that because it's really better to be experienced or at least go watch a video. And lastly, my favorite, which is operations my favorite new one i tend to play a lot of conquest but operations is new and i love it so what this is is uh several maps that are chained together sort of like rush but you play them in a in an area control so you take them and move forward like rush but they're different locations so it's not like the map continues on. You might take a beachfront, and that unlocks the next area, which has you go into the forest, which ha- unlocks the next area, which is a fortress on a hill, for example. Mm-hmm. And it is really neat because it, it takes advantage of how well you did the map. So if you just barely take the previous area, you're going to start a little bit disadvantaged on the next area. You won't have as much uh, resources, your squirrels will be lower. So it, it's really neat, but it has also, if you're defeated, it gives you three opportunities. So it'll take you back to your previous win, let you regroup and try again. Mm-hmm. So you might take out a six flags two in your first badge and then regroup and take two more and then regroup and finish it. And you can still win against the defending team. Yeah. So how does that work? Because this sounds like it could go on for a really, really long yes, time. Yes. And it can. But I think you had mentioned, not on the podcast, but offline, how the maps are limited to a certain time frame? Yeah, so there's a couple of different things that they use to limit maps. Uh, right now, well, and let's let's step back a little bit and point out that as of this podcast, there are no privately available servers. EA hasn't given uh, clans like mine the ability to rent and administer uh, any of the servers. So you can't go out there and build your own rules or change the servers around or set up the times or tickets like we like to do to make the maps longer and more intense or to restrict things that you might be annoyed by or increase your spawn, you know, all that stuff that, Mm -hmm. that people like to do out there and you find a server that has a combination that you like and you, you tend to stick with it. So you can only play now on official servers. There's no active admin console commands of any kind, which really kind of sucks because you get those idiots and cheaters out there and you can't do anything about them. Yeah. 
Uh, but uh, it's balanced by another advantage that we haven't mentioned that I really like that we didn't see in the beta, and that is that you can join a party, and you're, it's all your friends in, in a, yeah, a party structure like you've seen in a lot of games, but you can search for and join maps based on with your party fitting in them. So you all join a map together. So first you party up all your buddies, and then you hit the matchmaker, and it finds the map or the match that you have selected based on your filter, and it joins all of you on the same side together. Yeah, so, okay, wait a minute. You're saying that EA allowed you to have friends? Yes. So that you can play on the same and, map? And in a lobby that's not based on a web browser. <laughs> I know, shocker. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm on the floor, not literally, but I, wow. So there are nights when a lot of my clan members are playing, and we might get a pretty large party of 8, 9, 10, 11 people, and we'll all join a server together and, shock, get to play together. Wow. Now, that... That's a game changer, really. It really is cool. The downside is they still haven't figured out how to make the squads bigger or they don't want to. So your squad is only six people deep or five people deep. I think it's six. Oh. So you join as 11 or 12, but you have to go into a couple of different squads, which uh, eliminates some of the spawn on your squad advantages and works a little against you in communication if you use only the in-game communication, which is squad-based. Yeah. But, of course, as a larger clan, we use external uh, team speak, so we yeah, don't feel a, those are disadvantages. A forced balance, so to speak. But that is huge. The new server browser is awesome. They're already talking about taking it back over for Battlefield 4, which will be awesome because the base complaint for years about Battlefield 4 has been how horrible the browser is and the sequencing and the... Well, it's the same with Battlefield 3. Yeah, it's, it's just junk. Yeah. It really is. So anyway, I'm going to talk operations. My map choices, there are a lot of really great maps. And a couple in particular I want to call out. So maybe my favorite small map is the Aragon Forest. And what it is is a very small, tight nest in the woods. It's got a bridge and a handful of bunkers. And it really benefits area control, taking high ground. There's some tunnels. It's a lot of variety that's designed for really close combat. So it eliminates the snipers a little bit takes away the annoying indirect mortar fire mostly and it speeds the play up to uh, what i would compare to say the metro or the underground map that's really popular right now is some people call them meat grinder maps yeah so this one has uh, some of the trench sort of warfare as well or well, yeah it... well all the maps have the trenches to some extent because that was such a big part of world war one mm-hmm. but this one has um camouflage bunkers and you can go in and lock the doors and they have to oh. be blown down and and paths through the woods and tunnels underneath and stuff. So a lot of different choke points, which is a lot of fun for infantry only. And you don't see vehicles on that in, in at least the versions of it that we play. But now that if I remember correctly, a lot of the World War One stuff, the vehicles couldn't go through the forest because they couldn't physically knock the trees down. Right. Now this one, if you're playing in the right mode, you will get a train if you are losing badly is their version of the, Le- Le- the Leviathan. Oh, nice. And the trains are, are the most common version the trains and the blimps. <laughs> so that one, probably my favorite close combat map. So I would definitely go out and take a look at that one. Sinai Desert appears to be the most popular map out there. Now it's a series of sand dunes and and uh, Arabic-looking buildings that you can get on the roofs and in. And most of the buildings can be destroyed in pretty high degrees. A lot of place guns, mm-hmm. a lot of alleys, a little rooftop control. 
Yep. So that one's kind of neat, but you also have the ability to go out and uh, play around the outsides, and eventually they'll d- deploy the actual behemoth, which is the huge armored train. Very difficult to take out without vehicles. Oh, nice. But probably my favorite map is Monte Grappa, which is a mountain top based on the Venetian Alps. And it is really a fun operations map or domination map because you have to take these in a series. So you'll go up and you'll take some bunkers. You'll go down and take uh, some tunnels. And then you'll go up and take a giant fortress at the end. And, oh, wow. Uh, it's really cool because you can deploy the the big freaking blimp on this one. Mm-hmm. But it also allows you to play across these hills and mountains or through them in a combination, and there's a an air battle that goes on over your head, and it just creates this really cool environment, and it is pretty. And the jungle's pretty too, but it's pretty in kind of a busy way. Right. So I, when I think mountains, I'm thinking kind of like steep cliffs, but I'm guessing that you make it, well, it would no. make it difficult to move around, so it's probably got flat and high areas? Well, it is pretty rocky, I would say. Now, when you're trying to visualize this without seeing the video, I'm reminded of when I think of like Basque sheep herding or the mountains of Peru where you see them trying to raise crops on the sides of these rocky mountains. It's really similar to that. Okay. But the fortresses themselves are these giant, you know, kind of metal buildings straight out of your your World War One, World War Two literature that used to see these giant command bunkers. Yeah. And see, the first vision that I had, and of course, everyone's going to have a different one because mm-hmm. this is, again, somewhat of a radio show. Um, I was thinking of the the mountain airport in uh, Spectre. Oh, yeah. The James yeah. Bond film where, you know, he's at the airport at the top of the hill and then he's coming down through the city and it obviously it's all mountain, somewhat forest, but mm-hmm. there's areas where there's steep cliffs and then areas of flat so you can run around. Yeah. All of the maps, I think, are really pretty, but those are probably my favorites because they're, they're so much different than what we've seen before. And also, maybe as a downside, because of that, they have artificial borders, which can be the bane of more experienced players. Oh, yeah. You know, where it looks like I can climb over that hill, but if I go over there, I'm out of bounds, and that kind of sucks. <laughs> and that's one of those things that's very difficult to admin to in the long run is people trying to advance their position through these corners and stuff that are technically out of bounds. Yeah. So, Speaking of, how do they handle out-of-bounds? Is it really an invisible wall, or does it give you a, like a warning saying, hey, you yep. can't be here? You have a timer. It starts to count, 10, 9, 8, 7, and if you're not back out of it before the timer goes out, it, it suicides you. Okay, so you could technically run out there and then run back, run back mm-hmm. out. Yeah, that's how they would advance Yes, and in fact, I, I've, I've seen people run out to try to go around a rock or something and hopefully get back in bounds behind a player before their time runs out. And then, of course, you have the element of surprise, which is, yeah, I mean, I get it, and it's fun when it works, but it's kind of cheap. Yeah. So um, speaking of, like, gameplay and firefights and stuff like that, um, obviously there's a lot of new videos being posted about Battlefield 1. And one of them that catches my attention is... um, there was a player who was in a tank. One of the, the smaller tanks looks like a little two-person tank. Oh, yeah. And he's watching a biplane fly down. And it looks like he's kind of coming in for a landing. But basically, he comes in and he grazes the ground. And then the video um, moves up to the upper right-hand corner and sees like how many people <laughs> he killed. And he ended up taking out five people in this grazing run, mm-hmm. basically just running over him with an airplane. And then you see it flying away. And that got me thinking, it's like in, 
Battlefield 4, the vehicles were basically indestructible as long as they were in the air or if you had um, anti-aircraft sort of gear. Yeah, and to some extent you could kind of skip them like a rock if you didn't hit the ground too hard, yeah? Yeah. So is that kind of the same mechanic in the Battlefield 1 or is it more of a... um, period correct where you know you had biplanes that were made out of wood so they don't handle a lot of damage very well stuff no like that. and that's a great question in fact i've talked i think a lot in the past about my frustrations with uh, some of the overpowered pilots in some of the servers that i play in battlefield 4 specifically the assault choppers and it is very difficult to take down vehicles in battlefield 4 without playing an anti-vehicle specific build which can make you relatively useless for every other mm-hmm. uh aspect of that game well it's less true in battlefield one and that is exactly what you said in period specific every weapon seems to be able to damage the airplanes and even to some extent the tanks i mean you're only maybe doing five or six points of damage out of hundreds but you you can score points for all the damage you do which i don't think we've ever mentioned so it's possible to level up just by doing damage and never getting a kill um, that's kind of cool for you know people that steal your kills and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, well, is, and it's nice too if you're playing support characters and doing indirect damage and that sort of stuff. So you can level up. I mean, really, you could play pacifist if you were crazy and just never shoot anybody and still level up, which eventually someone's going to try, I'm sure. Yeah, conscientious objector, right? <laughs> but to come back to your your topic, the airplanes battle each other, and and because the guns are so inaccurate, the air battles are kind of spectacular because they are lengthy and they chase each other around for long periods of time, flaming and smoking and, and that sort of stuff. But there are a couple of different planes. There are the, the light assault planes and they have uh, two seats and they shoot forward and shoot back. And they, yeah, if they hit you on the ground, you're going to die. So an experienced player could try to mow them like they're mowing the lawn, but you're taking a risk that you clip a tree or something, you're toast. Mm-hmm. And also any of the heavy attacks like the the tanks and the, the cannons and the place guns can take you out very quickly. But also when you're flying low, you're within range of all that small arms fire and every one of those guns and will do damage. And that's one of the particularly satisfying things playing a support player. I've got that big you know, 1918 machine gun or whatever. And if that plane is low enough, I can dump a clip into it. And if it's already damaged, I might take them out. Hmm. Well, that's, uh, that's pretty good. And you know, that video, I thought that the tank was going to take out the plane. And then of course he zoomed in on showing how he mowed down like five (laughs) players and then flew away. And that kind of brought back memories of, um, unreal tournament three with the, the, what was it? The, um, onslaught yeah the right? onslaught maps when you got the little uh little buggy cars that are flying around and you basically it was overpowered to the point where you could just mow down anybody and unless somebody hit you directly with like a rocket you would be able to dominate yeah, the map. they had some sort of grav tank that was pretty good at that too i remember that being very frustrated when the vehicles would come around you just had to take cover or you get run down mm-hmm. and but they yeah. moved so fast you couldn't get out of the way so well, it was just and part of the reason that that game mode and was never very popular is they didn't really ever get the balance for that down and i know that there are going to be some vehicle balances they've already softened up the tanks because the uh the small light tanks that you were talking about Mm -hmm. uh were very difficult to kill and part of the reason for that is the anti-tank equipment isn't available at entry you have to unlock it and Mm -hmm. to unlock things in battlefield one you have to level up and then you're given war bonds which are basically money Mm -hmm. and then you purchase your unlocks and you're not going to have for a long time enough money to unlock anything, everything rather, 
if ever. So you have to kind of select your unlocks, and it's difficult to tell what the weapons do because they also don't give you stats in the way that I'm used to, you know, rate of fire and range and stuff. What they give you is a little chart that shows the damage drop-off and distance. <laughs> that, and that's it. Well, well, you get rate of fire, but it's... Yeah, that, yeah, well, again, that's a bit period correct. So mm-hmm. if you know your weapon, then you should know what you're dealing with. But if you have to unlock something to take out a tank, that's a bit unfair for the early players. Yeah, so the tanks are very dominant right now because not a lot of players have unlocked the anti-tank weapons. And so really your only defense against them are the various place guns, which, as you've already noted, are very slow, especially to reload, and you're completely vulnerable to small arms fire while you're in that big gun mode. Yeah. So just to kind of wrap it up, we should probably talk about the different types of the game that you can buy. Mm Because you can buy the base game and then you can get like the super deluxe edition and then the super extreme deluxe (laughs) or whatever it is. And those styles of games in the past, it would get you like either all the DLC or it Mm -hmm. might get you an extra weapon or it gets you a skin pack or something even dumb, like right. a shoe or something. But So Battlefield's no different. They've made a major change to the way that they reward you for playing, and that's uh, what they call the Battle Pack system. So when you purchased the game, at least initially, you could buy the basic game. You could buy the early enlister edition, which would give you some bonus skins and would unlock a pistol and a rifle, I think, early. Um, and then you can get, of course, the Super Deluxe edition, which... I think maybe even is called Super Deluxe, which includes the Season Pass, which can also be purchased separately. So I did a little research and discovered that um, I didn't really want to get the Early Enlister Pack. It was about $20 more. And the reason for that is when you win a map, they dole out battle packs at random. As an example, if you're playing a team death match, they might give out four battle packs. Mm-hmm. to the players and it really is random so some nights you can play all night you know 25 minutes or to 45 minutes a map and never get a battle pack and watch somebody get one every other round it seems like oh, but, the, but the battle packs uh don't affect gameplay which is a huge plus so this is not like uh you know the games where you need to unlock your specific weapons and and whatever as you go which is what you're seeing the competition do mm-hmm. You buy the weapons, as I already mentioned, with your leveling up. So you get weapons as you go, and they're, and they're leveled. So you're going to start with a very small selection that you can purchase. Level 2, you get some more. Level 3, you get a lot more. And then the, uh, I guess, the god mode weapon, the really strong one, unlocks at level 10. And I'm told they're game changers, but I just haven't encountered one on the map yet because it's it's so difficult to get 10 levels in any one class because you level your character up, at a different rate than you level your classes. I already mentioned I am, I think, level 12, which is not a lot, and my support class is level 3, my primary character, mm-hmm. and my sniper, my scout, rather, is level 1. So oh, wow. th- there's no comparison to the two. But I have unlocked uh, three different guns with my support character, a couple of different ways I can drop ammo, a remote firing airburst and an upgraded pistol um, because I'm trying to find a way to make that class a little bit more balanced, I guess. <laughs> and I've unlocked one additional sniper weapon that I knew was good from the, uh, from the beta for oh. the scout that gives me a little bit more range. Yeah. So the, 
the first thing that comes to mind is that, you know, the Titanfall thing where, you know, when Titanfall first came out, unless you were playing on day one at zero hour, you were always 20 levels behind because <laughs> everyone would be so far ahead of you. There is some truth to that in this it, game too. Yeah. But the fact that you've been playing for a while and you're still not quite the level 10 and you haven't seen a level 10, that kind of speaks a lot to the way that they've balanced the leveling to make it easier for new players to acclimate mm-hmm. to the game. And really, it again, it's a balanced thing so that you don't have overpowered weapons in the game early on. Well, I think that they've intentionally slowed it down because it was really pretty easy to unlock everything that was useful in Battlefield 4. Mm-hmm. I'm... I don't even know, 140 or whatever the max level is in that and have been for some time. And I just get unlocks all the time. I don't even bother to open because I don't really need them. And so every so often I'll go back in and clear up all my boxes and get all my scopes and silencers and crap. But this one takes that all away because you have access to all that stuff up front. If you buy the war bond, you can go in and change the scope and whatever. So everybody has the same equipment available to them. Mm Mm-hmm mostly yeah and then the boxes have skins and so you might get different camouflage patterns or guns with fancy names but they don't grant you any specific advantage in the game which i really like yeah i mean it's kind of cool to be killed with you know lawrence of arabia's smile but it doesn't change the fact that it's the same sniper rifle that i can go out and purchase if i want and just not have the cool look yeah well that kind of speaks to the the whole battlefield one versus World War One sort of feel of the game where everything was kind of slower pace. It didn't advance as much because he didn't have as many automatic weapons. He didn't have as powerful weapons. It really kind of makes it more period correct. And that's one thing that I really like about the game. Although, you know, I'm not much of a battlefield player, so I probably will just be looking over your shoulder. So. Well, and it does have a pretty lengthy single-player experience that I hope to try soon, but right now I'm just getting used to the pacing being so much different from Battlefield 4. It really is slower, and it can be frustrating, so how much slower is my reload? How much slower does it take to get from one place to another because I don't have all these tanks and stuff? Mm-hmm. You know, But it does really foster, I think, a little bit more technique. I mean, you really do have to pay attention to who's shooting at you because you can be one shot killed Mm -hmm. and you do need to stay with your squad because your spawn locations are so limited. So it does a lot of things really right. And because of that, I really feel like it is eventually going to take over all of my battlefield play. And I think that's a pretty good recommend. Now, I haven't bought the DLC because I know that that can be a little sketchy. And that's another $49 also. (laughs) So my recommend at this point, Find the cheapest version of regular Battlefield. You get all of the basic maps, all the characters and classes unlocked, and give it a go. But there are also an amazing amount of videos out there so you can see just exactly what you're missing and find out for yourself if Battlefield 1 is for you. For more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes on hardwareasylum.com. Stay up to date on the latest at Hardware Asylum by subscribing to our RSS. Follow us on Google or like us on Facebook. This has been a Ninja Lane production, copyright 2016. Thanks for listening.